On this episode of Bright Future, I talk about our government finally resolving the debt ceiling crisis. Or, did they fix it? This is a weekly political podcast that follows current events and how we may do better so that there may be a brighter future. I'm your host, Samuel Adams, but please call me Sam. And before we begin, it would really help me and this show if you would subscribe, leave a like, comment, or review, as well as share with your friends. Though, maybe not with the whole family gathering at once. This is a political show after all. Without further ado, let's begin this week's episode, which I have titled, Beat a Dead Nation. I can honestly say to you tonight that I've never been more optimistic about America's future. We just need to remember who we are. We are the United States of America, and there's nothing, nothing we can't do when we do it together. Thank you all for listening, taking the time tonight to listen to me. May God bless you all. And may God protect our troops. Thank you. I think that last statement is the only thing that we can all truly agree on. May God bless you and may God protect our troops. But even with our government's differences, they seem to have actually resolved the debt ceiling crisis. It only took them nearly six months. The law in question that resolves this whole problem is H.R. 3746, the Fiscal Responsibility Act, which I've linked in the description if you'd like to read it. It's legalese, you probably don't want to read it, but I've read it for you. This is just a simple law, if this was just a simple law that only raised the debt ceiling, then I would probably just mention it in passing before moving on to a much larger topic. But instead, the Fiscal Responsibility Act has four divisions and over 300 sections. And as I read through the table of contents, I noticed that some of these titles and divisions have awfully familiar names. And that's when I realized that several parts of this bill looked very similar to another law that I covered a few weeks ago, the Limit Save Grow Act of 2023. Let's go over each section of the Fiscal Responsibility Act and compare it to the Limit Save Grow Act to see how just much was compromised over in this deal. The first section that shares a similar title is the first section in both bills, Discretionary Spending Limits. In my previous episode, episode 20, Brace for Impact, which reviewed the Limit Save Grow Act, I mentioned that this section changed the Social Security Administration's budget to review people's disability cases. The Social Security Administration reported that it cost them around $2.5 billion each year review cases and ensure that disability benefits are being sent to people who need it and are not being abused or improperly withheld. The Limit Save Grow Act would have established a budget of $1.6 billion per year for disability reviews. Over a third of that budget was slashed. But the Fiscal Responsibility Act establishes the exact same budget cut, $1.6 billion for disability reviews. The next part of the discretionary spending limit sections establishes a budget for healthcare fraud. As mentioned in my previous episode, a study set to the Senate established that healthcare fraud costs the government approximately $60 billion per year, but the Limit Save Grow Act established a budget of $604 million per year for healthcare fraud, a 99% budget cut. The Fiscal Responsibility Act establishes, again, the exact same budget cut. 604 million. So far, these two bills are exactly the same. 
I'm seeing that Republicans got everything that they wanted on the budget, so this doesn't look very much like a compromise. And then I finally found something different. The Limit Save Grow Act put a 44% cut on disaster relief funding. The Fiscal Responsibility Act is worded in a very strange way when it comes to the budget for disaster relief funding. Rather than establishing an actual dollar amount like the previous budgets, it appears that it instead establishes a budget that follows the average increase over the last 10 years. So instead of being cut, it remains the same and automatically increases to adjust for the inflation rate of the past 10 years. In my previous episode, I stated that FEMA probably needed a budget increase to properly reorganize and restructure, but this could probably be worse. In my previous episode, I also mentioned how the Limit Save Grow Act gave a minor budget increase in wildfire suppression costs, but the Fiscal Responsibility Act does not specify a budget for this. Moving on to Division B of the Fiscal Responsibility Act titled Save Taxpayer Dollars, this t- matches the title of Division B in the Limit Save Grow Act. I talked a little about this in my previous episode, but I'll go into more detail this time. In the Limit Save Grow Act, this section reads as follows, Division B, Save Taxpayer Dollars. The unobligated balances of amounts appropriated or otherwise made available by the American Rescue Plan Act of 2021, and by each of a variety of public laws, and divisions of another public law, are hereby rescinded. Effectively, this section would rescind all funding that the government released for COVID relief. Uncollected stimulus checks, small business loans that went unused, and the like. Both I and several government officials voiced concerns over this. What if someone deserved to receive a stimulus, but was, as of yet, unable to collect it? Rescinding that unobligated fund could effectively steal that promised stimulus to that person. To address this concern, the Fiscal Responsibility Act only recalls most of the unobligated funds rather than all. It leaves a small fund of each of those sections of as-of-yet-unclaimed funds in anticipation of avoiding this exact problem. Unlike the established budgets I mentioned earlier, this does actually seem like a fair compromise, resolving the probable issue before it starts while still saving the government money, though not as much as totally possible. Then, right as things started to seem like we were getting to a fair middle ground, I saw that dreaded sentence I've talked about before. Family and small business taxpayer protection. I've already told you how this title is lying to you. Republicans and various rich and powerful lobbyists have been trying to get Congress to slip this section, or a similar section, into a law for months, either as its own standalone law or as part of a larger law. When I discussed the Inflation Reduction Act last year, I mentioned that one of the good things that it actually did was adding funding to the IRS, $8 billion per year. This means that the Internal Revenue Service would actually be able to afford the personnel and have the power to start auditing high-income tax cheats. Historically, according to IRS's own statistics, they have been able to audit less and less billionaires, and instead are auditing more and more people that are right around the poverty line. 
because they have to. Because their funding has been so regularly cut, they can no longer afford to go after the big fish, and instead net the little guy. The Inflation Reduction Act aimed to fix that by re-establishing that funding, but the Family and Small Business Taxpayer Protection sections of various pieces of legislation aimed to repeal that funding. In the Limit Save Grow Act, it attempted to repeal all of that $8 billion funding given to the IRS. Instead, the Fiscal Responsibility Act's version of this section only manages to cut $1.3 billion of the $8 billion that was provided per year through the Inflation Reduction Act. That's still really bad. $1.3 billion is certainly more money than I will ever see in my life, but it isn't a total loss. The Limit Save Grow Act of 2023 has a section titled Prohibit Unfair Student Loan Giveaways. I like the titles of my laws to be objective and without bias. Specifically stating a subjective opinion on something, like student loan giveaways, should probably not be part of an actual law. So instead, I'm just going to call this section Prohibit Student Loan Giveaways. Omit the unfair part. This section of the Limit Save Grow Act cancels all extensions and suspensions of payments and interest on all student loans, and also reverses decisions made by the Department of Education to extend and forgive loans over the past two years. In addition, it also specifically prevents both the President and the Secretary of Education from being able to forgive anyone's student loans unless authorized by Congress. It even goes so far as to prohibit the power of executive orders. It outlaws all executive orders that would affect the economy by 100 million or more per year, or adversely affect in any way any section of the economy. Like the proposed Limit Save Grow Act, the Fiscal Responsibility Act also affects Biden's student loan giveaways, this time without using a biased title. Termination of Suspension of Payments on Federal Student Loans. It definitely does not do as much as the Limit Save Grow Act would have done like I just listed. Instead of all that I just listed, it only prevents the Secretary of Education from extending an executive action to prolong the student loan giveaway. It also ends the suspension of payments on student loans that was implemented due to COVID. The Limit Save Grow Act also has several sections regarding temporary assistance to needy families. It adds more strict requirements, not for individuals receiving government assistance, but for states. It requires states to regularly report on the demographics of people who are receiving benefits. Specifically, the percentage of people getting on and off government benefits, as well as the percentage of people that pass through various stages of unemployment while on government assistance. The Fiscal Responsibility Act has a similar section, which, just like the Limit Save Grow Act, requires all states to report those same statistics. However, unlike the Limit Save Grow Act, the Fiscal Responsibility Act goes a little bit further. The Treasury Secretary is also to carry out a pilot program and select five states to participate. This program will establish a grant for those states to provide various types of assistance to individuals on government benefits in an effort to give those people a little extra assistance to get them back on their feet and back to supporting themselves rather than relying on the government. 
This program outlines a variety of statistics and metrics to collect and measure how effective it might be, and to see if the extra assistance in the short term will save the government money in the long term. However, there is one more section under the category in the Fiscal Responsibility Act. Section 303, Elimination of Small Check Scheme. This modifies the Social Security Act so that no one will receive a check from the government that's less than $35. However, the Act fails to specify if those receiving less than $35 will suddenly be bumped up to receiving $35, or if instead, they'll simply stop receiving assistance. Given that the whole point of the Fiscal Responsibility Act is to save money on the government's budget, it'll probably be the latter. The Limit Save Grow Act also planned on making changes to SNAP benefits. SNAP stands for Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program. This program effectively provides food stamps to seniors. The Limit Save Grow Act would have increased the age requirement to be eligible from 50 years old to 56 years old, and it would have done it sudden it would have made this jump suddenly. This sudden increase would cause anyone in that age range between 50 and 55 who is already receiving SNAP benefits, from continuing to receive SNAP benefits until they reach the new age limit. To resolve this issue, the Fiscal Responsibility Act instead slowly increases the age requirement over time. For 2023, the limit is raised to 51 years of age, then 53 years of age for 2024, and 55 for 2025. There is, still any, there is still an age gap there. Anyone who's 52 years old in the year 2024 will miss out on their benefits for a few years. Same with anyone who's 54 in 2025. But this, at the very least, minimizes the problem, if not removing it entirely. The Fiscal Responsibility Act also exempts veteran and homeless from this age requirement increase. The last thing in both of these acts is the increase in the debt limit. But they both do it differently. The Limit Save Grow Act would have simply increased the debt limit by $1.5 trillion through the March of 2024. The Fiscal Responsibility Act does not explicitly raise the debt ceiling by a certain amount. Instead, it suspends the ceiling until January 1st, 2025, and establishes a process to further increase the ceiling on January 2nd. But only for absolutely necessary expeditures already guaranteed by law. In other words, the Fiscal Responsibility Act prevents the government from spending money on any new project, or on any project not previously guaranteed by law. I've been told that a good compromise will make everyone mad, but I seem to be the only one slightly concerned with this. What if there's another emergency like the COVID pandemic and we suddenly need more money, but it's not covered by being legally established in an already existing law? Then the Fiscal Responsibility Act on our debt ceiling means that we can't pay for that emergency. Clearly, though, this compromise did not make everyone mad. The Fiscal Responsibility Act was introduced to the House of Representatives and had a procedural vote that implied that over 55% of Congress people would vote for it. Then on the actual vote, 72% of Congress people ended up voting for it, and it passed through to the Senate on May 31st. The journey through the Senate wasn't quite as smooth. For the rest of May 31st and most of June 1st, 
Various senators attempted to get multiple different amendments and adjustments passed on this bill. However, the bill was not amended, not even once, and passed the Senate on late June 1st with 63% of senators voting for it. On June 2nd, Biden expressed his support and satisfaction with his outcome in the recording that I played at the top of this episode. And on June 3rd, he signed it into law. I titled this episode Beat a Dead Nation as a play off of the idiom Beat a Dead Horse. It means that a particular effort is futile, a waste of time, uh, because there's no chance of any form of positive outcome. Beating a dead horse, beating a horse that is already dead, will not compel it to continue working. It's also a play off of that quote that Biden kept saying over and over and over again. America is not a deadbeat nation. We meet our- America is not a deadbeat nation. I originally had the idea for this title when I first began covering the debt ceiling crisis all of those weeks ago. The actual crisis itself began on January 1st, 2023, and persisted until the passing of the Fiscal Responsibility Act into law on June 3rd. Treasury Secretary Yellen warned several times that we could have defaulted as early as June 1st. Our government is very lucky that that was an inaccurate estimate, because if it was, well, we would have been a deadbeat nation. I'll admit it, I fully expected our government not to resolve this issue. I thought that this was a dead horse issue. I suppose I'm pleasantly surprised, but I'm also really pissed. This crisis began several months ago, and I know that our government isn't supposed to do anything fast by nature, but... Seriously? President Biden and Speaker McCarthy locked heads for several months over these issues, and often refused to meet each other uh, to negotiate for months on end, despite the fact that they work two miles away from each other. Even though we didn't default, several economists worry that even just getting close to it could and will, or already has, damaged the economy. A two-day overlap between the estimated default date and the crisis resolution date is not close. That's like being saved by a happy rounding error. Who knows what the long-term effects of this could be? In conclusion, I urge the government to put steps in place to prevent this crisis from ever happening again in the future. While the Fiscal Responsibility Act solves the immediate problem, it fails to address the root causes. If we keep hitting our debt ceiling, if we keep going through these crises, do you think we could have a bright future? There's no one else with me in the voice chat this week, so let me know what you think of in the comments below on the YouTube release of this episode. If you would like to support the show, please follow and subscribe, leave a review, and share with your friends. Check the description for more information, including the resources I used to build this episode, all of the places where you can find my podcast, and our Discord server if you would like to discuss these and other topics live right here with me. Thank you for listening to this episode of Bright Future. These episodes are released every Tuesday at 6pm Central, so I'll see you back here next week.